I'm Luis Lizarazzo, and this is Shedding Light Within the Entertainment Industry, a production of Variato Talent. Each episode, we'll explore themes that impact the people working in the entertainment industry. Our guests will come from all walks of life. This week's episode will explore the theme of the business of entertainment and the future of casting. Everything you're hearing and seeing was created by Variato Talent. As I mentioned on Variato Values, this is going to be an imperfect, but an impassioned endeavor. So bear with us. Ain't that right, Charlie? Absolutely it is. To kick things off, this week's episode's only guest will be my mom and Variato Talent's first client, Rita Powers. By the way, today, in addition to our first guest, I'm joined by our hardworking, insightful marketing and communications associate, Charlie Markle a rising junior at Elon University in Burlington, North Carolina, and a just all around awesome guy. Rita Powers has made her name in the entertainment industry by working hard, taking every opportunity that was thrown her way, and making opportunities when they weren't. At various points, there's been a lot of family collaboration, including every member of the family working at Rita Powers Management and then later Rita Powers Casting Group. Because Rita's experience in the industry has been a guiding force behind Variato, we thought it only appropriate to kick things off with a bang and bring on in the woman that I am proud to call Ma. So with that, now our interview with the illustrious Rita Powers. By the way, friends, there are maybe two words in this that you don't want your three-year-old to repeat, so be aware if you're listening with small children. My thoughts on Variado, uh, I'm blessed and astonished, uh, so proud because you took it and ran with it and um, really went with it. Uh, have an eye for talents. So I've always known that you should be doing this. So I'm so glad that our conversation went, oh, you should open a management company. Okay, I'll do that tomorrow. That was your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was like the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah amazing i felt as soon as you said it that day in july it was the first time that it ever clicked that you were right and i don't know it took 36 years to realize that i was born for this but what I that mean, sometimes your mother could be right you mean yes, yes. <laughs> is, you know that is, that's part of the learning um all right well for our listeners why don't you talk a little bit about how you got started in the industry so um it's a really funny story because I was a waitress and a bartender working four days a week, making shitloads of money. It was shitloads of money. You know, like as a waitress in a diner, sometimes I would come home with a grand a night. I remember the that. 80s. And we're talking the 1980s here. Yes, 1980s. So that I have to preface this to... My sister calls me one day and she was working at a small management company for kids, which I really had no idea anything about it. And she's like, you know, I'm leaving my job. I'm going to go work at a plumber's office. Come and take my job. I want you to interview. I already spoke to the owner about you. And I said, yeah, no. How much do you make? And she said, $7 an hour. That's <laughs> it. It's not happening. <laughs> so, but... 
she was very insistent, my sister. And I say this till this day, without my sister, I would be nowhere in this industry. So I uh, went and the minute, I, I loved it from the minute I walked in. It was chaotic and it was exhilarating. And it was, uh, I was the interviewer. So I had to interview the people coming in to see if they were worth, you know, we could do anything with them. Uh, which was a great job to start out with. But what I noticed was there were bookers and the bookers phone would ring and they'd be like, it's a casting director, it's a casting director. People would be like, like kowtowing to the casting director. They'd be all excited and I'd be like, oh shit, that's going to be me one day. I am going to have people go, oh, it's Rita Powers on the phone. So that surprises me when people will be like, Oh, you answer your own phones, Rita Powers? Yeah, like who, you know, of course I answer my own phone. <laughs> That's what I, you know, although I could have people answer my phone, I would rather answer my own phones to know exactly what's going on. Because that's who I am. I'm a worker. Bit. Right. I know that. Yeah, I, I mean, even I can say from my own perspective, being in the industry now, um, my heart jumps when I see a casting director call. And if it's during business hours and you call, sometimes my heart jumps thinking that it's going to be a business opportunity too. <laughs> so, oh, cool. So it worked. <laughs> oh. I could say that's not how it happened. I mean, there's a whole story between me, me wanting to be a casting director and me getting to be, you know, people somebody will pick up the phone for because I started as a manager, not as a casting director. Right. And I was in the National Conference of Personal Managers for 22 years. I'm now a merchant, which means I retired, but I still can go to the conferences and be, I loved being a manager. But uh, I started as a management company, but I wound up by sheer luck, my ex-boss, I sold her company. That's how I got my company. But she was partners with me with somebody else. But within the first four months of opening my business, it was a boom. I was making a fortune because there was a sex. So what I did was I bought them. Uh, my brother died. 9-11 happened. Uh, my husband was running my company because I was on life support. And then I didn't know what to do. I had to go back to work. While you were pregnant. While I was pregnant. So I didn't know what to do. I had to go back to work. And I went back to the office. All my neighbors were filmmakers casting directors, producers, like Paul McCartney. That was, was such a cool building. office. Griffin Dunn was in my building. Uh, Green Street Films was in my building. Griffin Dunn's company. Um, there were so many great people in that building. So, you know, it was meant to be. I wound up where I did because that moved me along, you know? And um, I was talking to my friend Robin O'Hara, who won Khan, who has since passed. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. What she goes, she's going to start casting, Rita. Just start casting. And I said, okay. I put an ad in the NYPG. And the first call I got was from one of the biggest producers in Bali. Like, so I was, it was amazing. Great, amazing, fun guy. And thousands and thousands of people would show up to the set. So now like 60 Indian films in when the Indian government has hired me to do their tourism commercial. I get calls from India for commercials. Like, compared to the stuff I've done here, I mean, my stuff's like 1B. 
big award. I had two number one in the world movies from Hollywood, which is crazy. Yeah, but I don't. I, and and you were working across the U.S. with Bollywood too. You were not just all over the country. So well, that I gave passed you, all over the country, everywhere. Great. So that gave you more scale and more opportunity to see how markets outside of New York worked. Which was totally amazing. Like, you know, working in New York is rough because it's an A market. I mean, so for me, New York is it. Let me just say that. But Chicago, oh my God, I love Chicago. You know, Atlanta. Like so, sometimes in New York, you know, I'll call people an agent and they'll be like, yeah, what do you want? You know what I mean? Like, they're not so happy to hear from me sometimes. Which I don't get it because I was a manager. I was thrilled when the jazz was like, but whatever, you know. So when I work in Chicago, they're like so nice, just so nice, <laughs> so yeah. different from New York. Yeah, yeah. And LA. I remember you worked in Philly, you worked in Atlanta, you've worked in Chicago, LA, Las Vegas, San Francisco. St. Louis, uh, Indiana, Indianapolis, uh, Connecticut, um, all up and down coast, cool. Florida. Let's move on. I want to. I want to talk about the current state of the entertainment industry. So, where do you see the casting process moving after COVID? All online. Yeah. And how and what yeah, well, I can only say from experience that I've had because when the SAG strike happened, commercial world was only union, meaning it was SAG SAG talent would only do commercials. It was very little non-union commercial. But now, you know, 22 years later, it's mostly non-union because they realize they can get. Mm -hmm. So now that the producers see that it's workable doing it online, because the most expensive day to hire me is for me to go into the studio. Right. So yeah, of course they're going to pay in the cheaper price for me to do it online. Of course. Well, and it's what a business. The talent pool though, does it open up a wider talent pool? Yeah, I think it opens up a wider talent pool, but okay. So not everybody is great at the reason I get hired is I'm a casting director. Right. So I direct the talent. Right. If I'm just doing a self-submit video, I'm not really directing the talent because, I mean, I'm taking in a lot of auditions. I'll go through them, but like on the first round of auditions, when I audition people in person, I don't delete anybody. So I don't delete, you know, I don't edit the audition <laughs> because that's really what callbacks are for anyway. Right. So that puts a lot more pressure on managers and agents and talent. Well, yeah, because, well, yeah. I just think the most important thing while auditioning, whether in person or on camera, is to get the character, is to, you know, become the character and be natural. So when you're not directed and, you know, some, some people don't even give in the printed version of instructions very good instruction. And that's the problem I'm having is that, you know, the details, it's all in the details. If you give them instructions on everything you want, chances are you're going to get back something that you want, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. But if they don't give proper instructions, how are they going to get it right? Right, exactly. And if you're in the room and you do a second take, you can give them a quick note so that they can adjust. But if it's exactly. just one take, they're not getting a second chance. Right. And even if they do two take, you know, it's a different version, but it might not be what they're looking for. Right, exactly, because you're not getting that that insight from the casting director who's spoken to the producer and the director and knows what they're really looking for in a per, in a in a Exactly. And sometimes I don't even talk to them. That's the weirdest. Oh. I can do my best job when I talk to the director and know his vision. But a lot of times, especially commercials, I don't talk to them. So right. <laughs> how am I supposed to, film-wise, most of the time I'll talk to the director. But there have been times where if I'm just doing extras, I have. Principally, I usually always talk to them. I always Got it. What do you recommend for performers who might be feeling a little bit down right now about the current economic state and their prospects within the entertainment industry? It's going to turn around. So what you should be doing now I mean, it's going to eventually turn around. We need content. So what I would be doing now is taking classes online, you know, boning up on your skills, getting new pictures, you know, doing, doing what you have to do to move forward once we're there again. I mean, yep. it's hit and miss now. It's not like, you know, generally this isn't a busy time of the year anyway, but the truth is, uh, it, you know, the business isn't what it was. And on top of that, most people that do acting are in, are in restaurants at night. So they can audition during the day. So they're hit doubly, you know. The hint, and what I didn't know is I spoke to somebody from the, the SBA, the Small Business Administration, because they've been helping me. And if you're an actor, a gig worker, you're like an independent contractor, you can apply for one of those loans, the EIDL. The EIDL loan, actors can apply for. I just found this out over the weekend. So that's really a good tip you should be putting out there. Yeah, we will. A, def a, a lot of our um, talent, just based on the nature of Ariato too, has a lot of different interests. So if they were able to get a loan, they may be able to use it to produce something or to to develop something that could get them right. right so, yeah, but so, so, so um, I want, do you have more to say? Sorry. Oh yeah. About the changing world. So the biggest thing I would say is talent have to be set up right at home. They should have a good mic. They shouldn't, you know, you can use your phone, but they have mics that go to your phone and you can still use your phone and you can put a light on your phone. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to just have a, a desktop or use a computer or a laptop. Whatever. So, you know, there's all different ways to do it, but you have to be set up right. Your backdrop should not be what's going on behind you. Like if you're recording something, you should have, you should be the focus. Right now, my eyes are going everywhere else. Fine. Probably to my gorgeous wigs. Probably. <laughs> I mean, Sancerre is just sitting right behind us so that everybody oh, knows. That is a distraction if you were going to be videoing something. I'm just giving you a heads up. I, I, yeah, I know, I know. I have a green screen. For no, I know you do. I'm teasing you, though. But that's the truth. I'm just no, making a point. I'm yeah, making a point that you don't want anything going on that's distracting from your performance. And I that know. 
If you were auditioning, that would be distracting from your performance. Is all yeah, 100%. I agree. I tell our talent all the time that they need to be taking self-tape classes, improv classes, anything that's going to make them feel more comfortable um, walking into a room, even if it's just a virtual room with somebody like you um, or somebody who is seeing a lot of people that has a point of view that is really has the ability to make their dreams come true. So I think you're right. Classes are incredibly important. And a mantra that I've been sharing in all of my introductory meetings about Variato and where we're headed is that right now, our logic is if you build it, they will come. Because at this point, there are not so many jobs, but there are a ton of performers. So everybody's competing for the same work and you can't beat yourself up if you don't get the job. All you can do is learn from the experience and prepare for the next gig. Mm -hmm. Keep, keep, they have even free things online. If, if funds are an issue, you can find free classes online. Anything you can do to hone your skills as a performer or, or special skills. Anything you can do that's a special skill. And that's where you should tell your talent too <coughs> for film and for TV. I've been in situations where I have to cast, where I'm looking for special skills. Like, you know, I'm not going to say a fire breather, but I've cast another kid. Uh, <laughs> right. But I mean, not... I'm not, you know, even as far as, you know, you can whistle the, uh, the, um, the anthem, you know, the American, you know, you know, you know, anything that's different, you might want to make sure is on your list. Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, when you're casting, especially virtually, um, is the resume as important as the photo? What are, what's catching your attention first? Probably the, uh, uh, uh the photo I'm going to look at first, of course. It's not going to be the resume first. Okay. Unless I'm looking for something so specialized that it doesn't matter what they look like. You know what I mean? If I'm looking for something hard to find and a specialty, I'm going to look at the resume. The picture's Great. not going to matter because I'm looking for something so special it doesn't matter. Got it. Great. That's good advice. Um, so. I, well, the best I, advice I could give is be nice. Be nice. Be nice. Good. Okay. Do you, have you had people walk in with attitudes? Oh, oh my gosh. Really? I was sitting at the check-in desk once doing a big commercial, a union commercial. And they thought I was the assistant. And they came in, they were so rude to me. So rude. It happens. They're out there. <laughs> and I go, you know, I'm the casting director. And she went, oh, like, I had almost fun. And I'm like, and you have to go. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have always lived by the infamous words of Sigourney Weaver's character in Working Girl, Catherine Parker, who says that you never burn bridges because today's junior prick is tomorrow's senior vice president. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's the truth. And I, I live by that motto, too. I'm nice to the assistants. I'm always nice to the assistants. And that's a rule of mine. I'm nice yeah. to everybody. Because yeah. you're right. You don't know who's coming up the ladder. Oh, I know. I'm going to be working for Charlie one day. I can already tell that. <laughs> All right. Um, so 
what about for me? What do you hope for me with with the recovery and you know this business? Well, a I hope you start making money real soon. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I hope for you to be happy and fulfilled and 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 you know doing being creative and making people. You said it. When you make people's dreams come true, you feel better. Mm-hmm. It brings you up. So that's what I hope for. To keep, that's why it's not even so much as to make money, but to start getting people to make their dreams come true and you feel it. Like, oh, hey, I, I was a part of that. That wouldn't happen without me. You know what I mean? Like, that's a great feel. It's that's what I hope for you. That feel. That feeling of that it's really not about the money, that it's about you know, moving people forward, moving people forward in life. Yeah. <laughs> I hope for you, and you've done it before in other businesses, but now that it's your own, it's going to be, that's what I hope for you. I just hope for you to be happy in life. Happy and fulfilled. That's all I want. Happy, healthy, and fulfilled in what you're doing. And you seem so happy. I have never been happier. I have, I honestly have a hard time falling asleep because I'm excited to get up the next morning to start work. And, and never... how long has it been since you really felt that way? Uh, the only other time I morning is when I was getting up to play soccer. Like there's no time I think I've ever been as it just feels so natural. This feels like where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing and all of the skills that I've gained over the years in the different industries are helpful in this industry. And finally, my outlandish, loud, um, dramatic personality makes sense in this in- industry. <laughs> and uh, how do you think I feel? <laughs> I, yeah. That's how I wound up here. And I don't know how my sister knew that. That this is where I, because I was lost. I, I was actually going to college at College Staten Island at the time. I was just about to start courses there. And um, this came along and I was lost. I, I, I didn't want to be a waitress all my life. I knew that wasn't my path, but that's it. Like you wind up where you're supposed to be, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, with COVID, there's a silver lining in that I don't know. I always wanted to start my own business. You know that I went to business school to really develop the skills to be able to do whatever I wanted to do down the road. And being a business owner was high on my list. Dad was a business owner. You've been a business owner, Nana, grandpa, everybody. It's just in my blood. And so I think if it weren't for COVID, I wouldn't have been doing this as quickly or or taking this chance, but the idea of staying and travel and staying working for somebody else while the world is so unpredictable just felt so untenable. And I just feel so comfortable and excited about the future and motivated. And this podcast is really a representation of that. I And thank you to Charlie Markle, the amazing communications associate that works with us. We have just been knocking things off our list left and right. And it's incredibly humbling to be surrounded by such positivity and such dedication. And so, yeah, I think this is just the beginning and 
I really hope that we book something soon. I know all my performers do. Um, so we're just going to keep plugging away. We're going to keep building and we'll see what comes from it. It's, it's the time, Zach. So, you know, I, like I said, I got lucky. I opened during the strike happened four months after I opened. So I got it, but it's going to happen. It's going to get, you know, it's so have the like, great. You know what we should, I want to take a second. You just called me Al and a lot of our listeners probably think of me as Luis. Why don't you explain a little bit about why you just called me Al? What or, oh gosh. Well, because your father was Luis Alejandro Lizarazzo Sr., but he called himself Alex. He didn't use the name Luis. So mm-hmm. I only called him Alex. I didn't even know his name Luis was Luis, and I was dating him for four months. And uh, I was working at even grandfather's donut shop, and he said, go get my check in the back, he said to me. And I'm looking for Alex, and there was no Alex. And I come out, and I'm like, there's no check for Alex. What are you talking about? And he goes, it's Luis. <laughs> and so we called him Alex. We called you Alex, you know, still to this day. Only people that know you from when you were a young, young boy. Right, yeah. I, I love still being called Alex by my family. Like, intimate and... Um, I get asked all the time, why does your family call you Alex? Why, you know? And I remember when I was in like, it must've been when I was like 12 and I decided that it was more professional to go by your first name because I was always having to um, correct people when they read my legal name and say, oh no, I go by Alex. And then one day I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time to start just embracing Luis, so I did, and then people called me Louise, which made me cry. So then I went by Louis for years, and now I'm finally able to start going by Luis and to feel comfortable, but it's interesting. I'm so glad you're our first guest so that we could talk about that because I think it comes up a lot. And I've I'll only, just- I've only had apps, like I, I, I don't. Yeah. When people used to call the house when you decided to be called Louis, which happens to be my grandfather's name too, right? Mm-hmm. So L O U I S. So people would call the house when you were a teenager, and they'd be like, "Is Lewis there?" And I'd be like, "There's no Lewis here." And hang up on them. I remember that. Wrapping <laughs> up here, and I'm gonna ask you, what would you tell a performer to look for in a manager? I would tell a performer you have to click first. You have to see who their connections are who they work with. That's the first thing you want to know, who they work, who is going to get you to get work. So if they work through other agencies, the manager, what agencies do they work with? Or if they work with casting directors, what cast producers, like who do they work with? That would be the main question I would have. The second thing would be how many people in your roster do you have like me? There wouldn't be anybody like me, I'm sure, but nope. <laughs> except like me, I guess. <laughs> but same thing, like you. There'd be nobody like you. <laughs> no, I said except like me, especially if I was dressed like Sancerre. I guess I could maybe pull it off. You could pull it off, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like you know, I want to know that you're I'm I'm unique in your in your roster because you're not going to be pushing anybody else when that tight comes. 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm always looking, I mean, you know this, we're always looking for, with Variato especially, we want a diversity, we want the we want to be inclusive. We want our roster to reflect the world. So I'm always looking to expand to a meeting, new people, um, new uh, backgrounds. And Charlie and I have been reading a lot too in preparation for this podcast, but also to be able to understand culturally these different performers, where they come from and how we can um, best support their needs in this industry. Well, it's a streaming world now. So that's what the biggest thing I want to say. I don't know if network's going to be around forever anymore. You know, I think everything's going to be streaming. Mm -hmm. Have you seen Bridgerton yet? No, I hear it's pretty good, though. Have you seen Your Honor yet? Because that's really good. No, I'll need to watch that. Um, Yeah, Brian Cranston is excellent. Oh, Brian Cranston is just phenomenal. He's doing a great job, too. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll check that out. Right now, it's really been a lot of Bridgerton, and I must have rewatched season four of The Crown five times by now. I cannot get enough of Gillian Anderson as um, Margaret Thatcher. I would, um, I think you would like season four of The Crown because- I love The Crown. I think I have to get- And you will- Season four focuses on the 80s and Diana. And I think there were, you know, I'm pretty close in age um, to the prince. And I remember you were like um, in the same, like you were living very similar lives at that point. You were, you're pretty close in age, you and Diana. It's really interesting to watch and see it through your eyes. Cause I remember the 80s, but I was a kid. So I just think of it through what you must have experienced. Oh, yeah. I got up early in the morning to watch her get married. I mean, that was mm-hmm. the thing, I guess. I know so many people did that across the world. I mean, yeah. there were, you know, I think half the pop, more than half the population of the world watched it. Yeah. yeah which is kind of amazing, that. actually. Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. Well, wow. I got all gussied up and that was quick. Yep. All right. Love you. Bye, guys. Bye. All right. Thank you so much to my mom for joining us on this inaugural episode of Shedding Light Within Entertainment. I'm so proud of her and all that she's achieved. A few things that we missed that I want to make sure to highlight. Rita recently had the opportunity to reunite with Derek Sinefrace to work on the critically acclaimed I Know This Much Is True, for which Mark Ruffalo won an Emmy It's totally worth seeing. It is unbelievable. It's heavy, yes, but make it all the way through the end. Katrin Hahn's performance, also amazing. Mark Ruffalo plays twins, um, and they had to double shoot everything, and my mom worked on that. It was a really amazing project. What's next for Rita, in addition to casting both feature films and commercials throughout COVID, um, Rita's getting ready to direct and produce her first full-length feature film, which is currently in pre-production. If you're interested in learning more about Rita Powers or any member of the Variado Talent roster, please do be in touch. On our next episode, we are going to discuss creativity during COVID and how performers worked on their craft. We will be joined by the amazing Brianna Kella, who is the creator of the inspiring and hilarious podcast, The Year of the Nurse, where she interviews nurses 
throughout the country and discusses with them their experiences working during COVID, the COVID-19 outbreak. It is so amazing. I'm so proud of her. Please listen. And we will also be speaking with the creator, star, producer, editor of the super addictive sci-fi podcast, Rogue Waves, Brian Middlestat. We can't wait to have both of those guests for you on our next episode. From Variado Talent, I'm Luis Alejandro Lizarazo Jr. See you next time.